There was a man who had two sons. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't know about you, but I find the strange new world of the Bible to be downright scandalous. I mean, the first two human characters in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they spend most of their time in their birthday suits before they decide to cover themselves with some fig leaves one afternoon. The patriarch of the covenant, Abraham, he passes his wife off as his sister on more than one occasion to save his own behind. David, the handsome shepherd king who brings down the mighty Goliath, he orders the death of one of his soldiers after an afternoon peeping session with the aforementioned soldier's wife, and those are just the first three that came to my mind. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he ratchets everything up to 11. He eats with all the wrong people. He heals all the wrong people. He makes promises to all the wrong people. Now, in the beginning, Jesus attracted everybody, the good and the bad, the rich and the poor, the holy and the sinful, the first and the last. But at some point along the way, it all starts to change, and so did the people who listened to Jesus. All the tax collectors and all the sinners are coming near to listen. The tax collectors are those who profit off their fellow Jews by upping their own take from the empire's taxes. The sinners, well, imagine your favorite type of sin. And now you can picture who's hanging out with the Lord. It's the last, the least, the lost, the little, and the nearly dead who hang on his every word. Not the respectable Sunday morning crowd that we have at church on a cold Sunday at the end of March. No, no, no. These are the bad people. Not those who sit comfortably in their beds at night knowing that their padded banks, bank accounts are safe. Not the people who have all the power and all the prestige. No, Jesus has the gall to hang out with sinners. Now the Pharisees, now they are the good religious people. They're the people who come to church on Sunday morning. They're concerned about the behavior of this would-be Messiah. And they try to dissuade the crowds. This Jesus, he is nothing but bad news. He welcomes sinners in his midst. And not only that, he eats with them. Can you imagine? And he calls himself the Son of God. So how does Jesus respond? He responds by telling a story. There's a man with two sons. He's a good man, a good father. He's got a nice family business in town. It's a little corner grocery store. It's the staple of the community. You know that you can go there and get anything you're looking for. And you know that when you go, the people who work there, everybody knows your name. It's a good, good grocery store. And he's a good, good father. He loves his sons. But his youngest son one day wakes up and gets this idea in his thick head that he wants his inheritance. He doesn't have the patience to wait for his old man to, to buy the farm, so he marches into the back office, knocks on the door, and says, Dad, drop dead. I want my share of the inheritance right now. And I said, this father, he's a good father. So he decides to divide his assets up between his sons. To the eldest son, he leaves the grocery store, the family business, and to the younger son, he, he uh, cashes out on some investments and gives it to his youngest son in cold, hard cash. And it's only a few days before the younger son has blown all that money in Atlantic City. At first, he's careful. Only a few passes at the roulette wheel, a handful of bets at blackjack. But the more he loses, the more he spends on booze and women and more gambling. 
His fall from grace happens so fast that before he realizes it, he's going over to the nearest pit boss, pulling on his shirt and saying, please, can I have a job? Sure, he says. We have an opening in janitorial services, and you can start right now. He has gone from being one of the wealthiest patrons in the casino to now one of the poorest. He is there to clean up the mess of those who are there to have a good time. Days pass. He's able to stave off his hunger at first, but he hasn't eaten in a long time. And so every time he's looking at the bottom of a trash bag and he sees a half-eaten donut, he thinks it looks really, really good. And that's when he comes to himself. He realizes in that moment he's made a huge mistake. Even the employees back at his father's grocery store have food to eat. They have roofs over their heads. So he, he drops all the janitorial supplies right there. He beelines out of the casino, all while working on a speech in his head. Dad, I'm so sorry. I've ruined everything. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please give me a job at the grocery store and I'll try to make it up to you. He says the words over and over again in his head, the whole way home, practicing them like his very life depends on those words. Meanwhile, the good father is sitting by the window at the front of the grocery store. He's lazily glancing over the terrible headlines in the newspaper. He can hear his eldest son barking out orders to his former employees and then all of a sudden, out that front window, he sees the silhouette of his youngest son walking up the street. So the father leaves his newspaper, spills his cup of coffee. He flies out the front door. He tackles his son to the ground, squeezes him like his very life depends on it. He starts kissing his child all over his face. And the kid says, Dad, I'm sorry. And the dad says, shut up, you big dumb idiot. We're going to close the shop for the rest of the day. We are going to throw a party the likes of which this neighborhood has never seen before. He yanks up his prodigal son from the ground. He drags him up the block and pushes him in front of everyone in the store. He says, Roy, it's my boy. Look, Roy, 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 go get some beer. We got to celebrate. Steve, get on the PA. Turn, the, turn it up really loud. Let everyone know my son was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. It's time for us to celebrate. Put the leg of lamb on the grill. Crack open the bottles. It's time to have a good time. When the beer caps start to fly, the radio gets turned up to 11. And they start dancing right there in the middle of the grocery store. But meanwhile, the older son is sitting in the back office. He's pouring over the inventory. He's comparing numbers and figures to make sure none of his employees are swindling him out of his money. And while he's working, he sees Roy running past his door. And Roy's got beer foam in his mustache. He's got a leg of lamb under his arm. And the older son says, Roy, what are you doing? Roy says, you haven't heard? It's your brother. He's alive. Your dad said it's time for us to celebrate. And he runs down the rest of the hallway to have a good time. 
Now the older brother, his fists, they tighten, and he retreats back to his chair and to his ledger books. Try as he might, he cannot focus on his work. All he can think about is that good-for-nothing brother of his, all the frivolity and the partying that's going on just down the hallway. His anger grows so rapidly that he grabs a close stack of papers, and he pushes all of them off his desk, and he hears a knock at the door. It's his dad. Clearly in the early stages of inebriation, he stumbles into the room and he says, what are you doing back here? Haven't you heard? You're missing all the fun that we're having. And the older son crosses his arms across his chest and he says, what do you mean, what am I doing back here, dad? I'm doing my job. You know, I've never missed a day of work. I've been a slave for you. You've never thrown me a party. You never told me I could go home early one day, and yet this prodigal son of yours has the nerve to come home having wasted all of your money with gambling prostitutes, and you're roasting him a leg of lamb? Maybe it's the beer, or maybe it's just his frustration, but the father says, oh, so now you're the big dumb idiot. I gave you all of this. You haven't been working for me. You've been working for yourself. Last time I checked, it's your name on the door, not mine. The elder son stands in shock. His father says, remember when your brother told me to drop dead, that he wanted the inheritance? Well, I gave you this, the family business. And what does your life have to show for it? You are so consumed by numbers and figures, doing what you think you're supposed to do, all while you're chasing some bizarre fantasy of a life that doesn't exist. But dad, don't you but dad me right now, boy, I'm on a roll. You listen. All that matters, the only thing that matters is that your brother was dead and now he's alive. But look at you. You're hardly alive at all. There's a party going on just down the hall, and you can't even bring yourself to join us. So remember, son of mine, you can complain all you want, but don't forget, you're the one who owns this place. And he turns to go back to the party, but before he leaves the office, he looks at his son one more time. He says, you know, I think the only reason you're not out there having fun with us because you refuse to die to all your dumb rules about what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do, how your life's supposed to turn out. So please, do yourself and do all of us a favor. And why don't you drop dead? Forget about your life. Come have fun. The end. Thank you, Jesus, for that wonderful parable. We know exactly what we're supposed to do with this story. At times in our lives, we're supposed to identify with the younger brother, the mistakes we've made, our, our need to reconcile with a parent that we have wronged. At times, we are supposed to identify with a father because we have our own wayward child or a friend or a partner, and we have to pray for them to come to their senses so that we can receive them in love. At times, we're supposed to be like the elder brother when we're disgusted with how some people get all the good stuff even though they're nothing but bad news. And just about every time we encounter this story, whether it's in worship or Sunday school or a book or in a movie, we are told, find yourself in one of these characters and act accordingly. But that ruins the whole story. 
It ruins the story because it makes it about us. And the story isn't about us. It's about Jesus. If this story were about us, surely Jesus could have given us a better ending or an ending at all. We would find out from the Lord whether or not the elder brother came to his senses and joined the party. We would find out if the younger brother really kept to the straight and narrow. We would find out if the father was able to reconcile his sons. But Jesus doesn't give us the ending we want. We don't get an ending because that's not the point. The point is actually really scandalous. No one gets what they deserve. And the people who deserve nothing get everything. That's why we say that the cross is a scandal. Jesus dies and is resurrected for us whether we deserve it or not. Like the younger son, we don't even have to apologize before our Heavenly Father is tackling us in the streets of life with love. Like the older son, we don't have to do anything to get an invitation to the party except maybe stop being so self-righteous all the time. Contrary to how we imagine it, the whole ministry of the Lord, it's not about the importance of religious observances, it's not about spiritual disciplines, it's not about morality, it's about how God has a good time. And God literally dies to share it with us. That's what grace is all about. It's a cosmic bash, a great celebration that constantly hounds all the people who are refusing to celebrate. It begs the prodigals to come to your senses, to come out and dance. It begs the elder brothers to take their fingers out of their ears. The fatted calf, the leg of lamb is cooking so we can start having fun. Jesus already mounted the hard wood of the cross. We can let our hair down. We can kick off our shoes. We can start dancing because we were lost and we've been found. That's it. That's it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.